welcome back to part three. Yes, part three. Um, we've been talking with Elsie Smith and uh, Real Fathers Making a Difference. And man, what a great conversation we've been having. And in part two, make sure that you watch part one and part two because he goes deep in there about his life and what has brought him to this point. What I was saying kind of off camera, which I'm going to bring back in, is that um, Elsie, you're a really special man. And I say that um, with all sincerity because what you went through, um, it seems as if you had some buffers to be able to go through what you went through. Mm. And you talked about, you know, really caring for your brother and having, that was really, he was really the inspiration for you to do what you were doing. And you also had the inner strength to finish school, to get good grades, to position yourself and to also position your brother while, mm. while caring for your mom. And that takes a lot of inner strength. I want to just give you your kudos and give you your flowers while you can smell them. <laughs> uh, Joy and I have a, like a little jar of M&Ms that we give, but you know, I yeah. know. Um, but what I also want to do is tie it into the mentoring of the youth. You had the fortitude to be able to stay focused and do what you needed to do with all of life pressing down on you. When you're mentoring the young people that you're mentoring now, do you find that their coping mechanisms are as strong as yours were? Uh, I would say no. Um, yeah, I, I would. I would definitely say no. Um, man, I deal with I deal with a lot of young men, and not only in our youth program that has either considered or attempted, you know, like suicide, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's because of uh, different dynamics that's in their life, you know, mm -hmm. uh, at the moment. So, and I don't even know if I can measure, try to measure anyone's coping skills based off of the way that I handled my situation, because I really feel like that, um, I'm not saying God doesn't make everyone special, but this particular, this particular ordeal that I went through, I do feel like that it was, um, it wasn't as hard for me as the story sounds. And that doesn't sound, that kind of sounds, um, it's kind of probably sound crazy kind of to say, but as I said before, I more so took it that it is what it is. And I just made the adjustments that need to be adjusted. So, um, my coping skills is more so the the survival aspect of it, but also being in the mindset of survival, making sure that we all are okay as we can be to still continue to pursue some of these goals and then make sure that I'm also being that inspiration uh, for my guys. So that's what I, for my, for my uh, brother, but that's what I try to instill in these young men. You know, there's not a circumstance that should stop you from moving forward in life. You know, uh, life is going to happen. And even when I have uh, sessions with adults, you know, I, I tell the kids the same thing. Life is going to do what life does. And I understand that. And maybe because of what it is that I endure coming up, you know, um, someone is going to someone is going to pass away. And it may be your mother. You know, um, you're going to get a chance to celebrate getting your driver license. Um, grandmother is going to may catch cancer. 
and you may watch her suffer for a certain amount of time. You may witness your parents buying their first home. You may witness that a home getting burned down. You know, life is going to do exactly what life does. So um, we have to continue to move forward, you know, to completing our goals or our dreams or trying to pursue those because it's not a perfect time to be able to do it. And life, life is not going to deliver you a perfect um, journey. Now, the journey is perfect through if it's through your purpose and what it is that God gave you to go through. It's perfect because even all those things going good and bad, they all working together. But sometimes people don't understand that and see that, even adults. But I'm trying to let these young people know that your circumstances does not dictate what happens to you later. What it is that you choose to do, that's what's going to dictate what happens later. So maybe that was just my mindset, you know, uh, just being sure that what I decided to do today, and I'm not saying I was perfect by any means either, you know, I was able to take advantage of having some freedom. <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like that I made all great decisions and I, you know, I, I was a teenager still, you know, but I will say, you know, I still, I still had a, a, a I had a measure, I had a measuring stick as far as knowing how far to go or being sure that I do what I can to possibly not get into certain trouble or different things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's when it comes to just working with these boys, that's one of my biggest things is just to get them, give them the coping skills and give them the encouragement, but also be there and give them uh, the support uh, that they need. What do you think is the greatest fear that, um, you know, young guys have today, you know, these boys that you're mentoring, what do you feel like is one of their greatest fears or obstacles? Obstacles. Well, as black men who I work with for the most part. Okay. I mean, just society, living in, uh, being, living the things that we deal with as males, as black males on a daily. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I tell people, and I even share with my boys. I mean, my my wife is 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 a strong black woman, but she she don't understand what it is that I deal with on the daily as a black man. And as black men, we can't we can't embody that all day every day, but we experience it, you know. And there's little small subtle things that we may talk about, and somebody else who don't deal with those things would think it's a big deal. Uh, but you, so we dealing with young men who are black men, you know, who already may be disadvantaged to a certain extent. So I always tell you, we have to work, you know, probably a little harder. You know, uh, I saw a stat that said that a, a black man with a felony, um, well, I won't even go, I won't even say nothing. I won't even mention that one. But a black man can apply for 13 jobs before he get that one. Mm -hmm. And his counterparts can apply three, three times, mm -hmm. you know, in order for them to be able to get a job. So I think their biggest fear and concern is just being sure that they get a fair shot, you know, uh, in this world. And they brown skin is not, is not, is not what's going to dictate, you know what I'm saying, how they're able to move forward. And outside, we already know the elephant in the room, and that's when it comes to the police brutality and things like that. You know, I just saw an incident where um, I talked to a mom, and I think her son went to Sparkman. You guys may have seen it too, the post with the, with the young man. You know, but my thing is we, we continually teaching our young men how they need to act when they approach by authorities. We need to teach authority that 
we're not a threat just because we have brown skin. You know, so that's a conversation that needs to be had. So um, maybe just having a, a, a fair shot when it comes to to fear, because I think fear is kind of a individual thing, maybe depending on, you know, limited beliefs that you created or you grew up around because of uh, how you came up or things that people said. But overall fear um, is just as if we want to put them in a group, I would say that would probably be it. But you know, other fears are more so dictated by other things in your life, and that's kind of, you know, subject to different people, to individuals. Right. It's interesting. We just dealt with, um, we just interviewed, our last big interview was with uh, Toya Poplar, and she and April Bodie have done, uh, started um, Save Our Sons. So we talked a lot about some of that stuff, and we love to talk about the racial issues here. I mean, we like to be very real about all that here too. Um, and uh, I mean, that's just a huge passion that we have. So I'm just wondering, do you think it's, this has been going on for a long time, but do you think it's just more intense now? Or, you know, how would you compare now what, what the guys are dealing with, the young black men, to what you were dealing with? I mean, it just seems so, it's so intense right now. And I know it always has been, but help talk about that. I mean, I think it's the same. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I, I relate 100% to um, to the young man whose mom posted out about him. I mean, that, that's been me several times, many times, you know. Uh, I was already assumed guilty. You say you pulled me over because I didn't have my blinker on, but you want to search my car for drugs. You know, I mean, those are things that I dealt with as coming up, you know. Uh, but I think what has happened is, is that, um, you know, God has amazing ways of doing things. And this pandemic, a lot of things has come out. So when everyone is set, is at home, forced to stay at home or work from home or, for, or don't have a choice to go to work. So now everybody's looking at TV or on social media. And now that made sure that not just us as black people are paying attention to it, but all races across the world. Is was magnified because of the pandemic because people didn't have a choice but to be able to see it right in their face and there's no denying that you know these circumstances uh, shouldn't be happening. So I think that and, and then on top of that, the Black Lives Movement you know re, reunited even more. So now people seeing what that's about. And we able to explain it better where you understand it, you know, because we're not saying that all lives doesn't matter. What we're saying is that all lives does not matter until black lives matter. So that's why we're out here and we protest and we're doing these things, you know. So I think all of that, um, but as far as the the things that we encounter and deal with, we still we you know it hadn't it hasn't changed much. Well, and I want to clarify, I'm not saying that before it things weren't bad and that it, there was no problem. I, I, I didn't mean that. I'm just talking about, I guess, the intensity of, um, help me out. because <laughs> It was clear. I understood what you said. Okay, because okay. there has been a lot of injustice for so many years and so long that it breaks my heart. Um, I'm just talking about some of the things that the guys are dealing with now that, that is, it's a very intense level of, um, that, man, I mean, my heart, is just broken for so yeah Lindsay you had a question over there I was just gonna ask how well not how what tools do you mm -hmm. find are successful 
mm -hmm. in, in, in relating coping skills and, and for the young men to be able to listen to you, for you to relay your story or to relay your experiences? What tools have been successful in, in delivering that for them so that they receive it? I'm going to tell you, um, the, big, the biggest thing that anybody can do if they decide they want to mentor and be effective, and that's consistency. You know, uh, you have to be able to build relationships. Uh, I want to be honest, and I'm not, I'm not measuring anyone else's program, uh, but but once a month, planting a seed once a month is isn't enough. You know, um, you can you can deliver a great message to them and hope that they apply it, and not saying that that once a month still doesn't make a difference, but according to what it is that you're you're asking. It takes a lot of consistency um, and involvement in order to be able to make that difference, you know. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing. And I tell anyone when it comes to mentoring, that's it. I mean, because now you've proven yourself. Now, I mean, you got to think about it. A lot of the um, some of these people in these programs, because someone is not, they're trying to fill that gap. Somebody is not there who probably should be there. So they already feel a certain way. Uh, they already been abandoned, maybe neglected in a certain way. So now you have somebody like me coming in, and I'm not trying to be your daddy. I'm not trying to be dad. I'm just trying to be that person uh, to be able to help you get to the next level and somebody who you can lean on and uh, talk to or guide you and support you um, and be also a listening board, be a sounding board or a listening board. And in order to, to get to that level, they have to be able to feel comfortable enough to be able to do that. And the way to do that is to be consistent in their lives. So that's why we meet, you know, as often as we do. And they have 24-7 access um, to us. And we are involved. I mean, we going to the football games. We going to the conferences. We going to heat. I, I don't want to go hear choirs a whole lot at school. But if one of my boys is singing in the choir <laughs> – I may have to just go or try to see if I can talk another mentor into going, but somebody's somebody's gonna be there, you know. But I mean, that's part of it, you know. I mean, I just had one of my boys call me, and I was looking at my phone because I was gonna share a text with you guys when all this, um, the heighten of the Black Lives Movement during the pandemic. I was gonna share a text that he sent, but uh, like one of my boys just called me um, the other day, and that's the access they have, and he's like, "Hey, how do I get my my driver's permit?" You know, so I'm like, well, first you got to turn 15. You're not even old enough yet. So let's just, so just let's just download the app and let's start studying, right? So once you turn 15, I'll take you to get your driver's permit. You know, but those are things that we do. So I think just our father's mad. Real father's making a difference. I, I was just kind of explaining to somebody else before. What makes us probably a little different is we actually come from. We're not trying to be your dad, and we want to. We want to, there's real fathers who are investing in these kids, but also when they grow to be real fathers. But the guys who come into our program, they're not looking for a big brother. They're not looking for somebody just to hang out with. They're actually looking for a, a, a solid male adult presence that's kind of like a father figure, you know, without trying to be a father. So that means that I tell people we can't put everything we do in a brochure because it's so much that we do. When you talk about real fathers making a difference in the lives of other young men, there's a lot of work in order to be able to do that. So we 
we try to check off as many boxes as we can. We're not perfect in that area, but it's not nothing that we wouldn't do for these kids that I wouldn't do for my own children. So that's kind of how the program is kind of designed. It's not kind of a one dynamic. We just focus on leadership. It's nothing that we know we're not willing to support, cover, and expose them to. Yeah. Hey, give us the website for that and we'll close this episode, but we got more because we got to talk about, um, you know, you've got a leadership and professional development coaching adults and boy, us adults, we need some help. <laughs> so give us the website for um, Our Fathers Mad. So it's the letter R, fathers with the S, mad, M-A-D, dot org, ourfathersmad.org. All right, Elsie Smith, and, and that on that, I'm, a, I'm sure people can find out how they can get involved if they want to be a mentor. I mean, is that all on there and stuff like that? Or, how, or if they want to be a part of the program? Yes, if you want to be a part of the program, the, all the information is there. We don't mentors, tutors. We use volunteers for a lot of different things. So we have a whole list of ways that people can actually um, can give their time. So we just email them out the information. They check everything off. We put them on a spreadsheet, and wherever they're at, we try to use them. Nice. One thing I'll say is, Elsie Smith, you are making a difference. <laughs> And I, for one, appreciate you. Um, you've been a hero of mine uh, since I met you and more so now that I'm getting to know even more about you. Um, but come back, guys. We have a lot more in store. There's more for all of us. See you in a bit.